The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Gregory Hallows from the Halloween Preservation Society, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, my name is Ernie Romajale, uh, Graveyard Productions, owners of the Haunted Graveyard in Bristol, Connecticut, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Grim Ghost from the Jersey Devil Naked and Take Group from South Jersey, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Yaro Zajak from the Haunted Yard of Doom in Parsippany, New Jersey, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey, this is Jody Bosser from Haunted Nightmare out in Seattle, Washington, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Kelly Carter from Haunted Carter Farms in Princeton, Iowa, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Moment of silence for the end of the Halloween season. That being said, The Big Scary Show is here to get you through your post-Halloween depression. Just because Halloween is over doesn't mean the haunt season is over. Remember folks, there are some haunted houses open this weekend and next weekend. And don't forget the legendary haunt tours down in New Orleans next weekend to kind of close out the season. So, just because it's over doesn't mean you need to stop listening to The Big Scary Show. And episode 249, right here, will hopefully help you get over that PhD. Storm will be ranting in a haunt minute, as usual. Meat Hook Jim will probably be drinking himself between the corpses. So, we'll see what he has come up with there. I'm going to be giving you the latest in Deadline News and... A brand spanking new gruesome giveaway for the month of November. 
That big holiday next month is coming, and you could win a fantastic gift if you listen and enter the gruesome giveaway. Uh, We've got a visit from the old crone, and of course we've got some really, really great music to keep the Halloween spirit alive. Our roundtable of terror is talking about the Halloween Preservation Society. This is an interesting one. There is something called the Preserve Halloween Festival going on in the Dallas, Texas area in a couple of weeks. And we have the organizer on to talk about how it came to be, why it came to be, and how it's different from your typical horror or haunt con. It is a fascinating conversation that you won't want to miss. We have all that, plus so much more, here on The Big Scary Show, episode 249. Folks, keep Halloween alive all year long just because it's November doesn't mean you have to stop celebrating so get out there and check out those last few haunted houses you sweat but you don't dare move you want to scream but you can't terror grips every nerve in your body And your heart is beating so fast, it feels like your eardrums are going to burst. You swallow hard, and you realize there is nothing you can do but wait and squirm. Now American International Pictures presents Squirm, the ultimate horror. Millions of writhing, seething creatures oozing out of the mire... Shocked into a frenzy by 100,000 volts of electricity. Driven by an uncontrollable urge to feed on human flesh. Squirm. Rated R under 17, not admitted without parent. The Legendary Haunt Tour is proud to announce its 2021 destinations. We are excited to be heading south again this year on an amazing trek. That will include four top-notch haunted attractions in and around New Orleans. The Mortuary, 13th Gate, New Orleans Nightmare, and Rise. All of these incredible events have been raising the bar for years in innovation and quality. This will be a tour not to be missed. Stay tuned for more details to come, but mark your calendars now and plan to head south to the Legendary Haunt Tour, November 12th and 13th, 2021. For more information, you can check it out on LegendaryHauntTour.com. Hello everyone, it's Drew Badger, and before we get too deep into the post-Halloween depression... Let's talk about all the good things that are coming up. This is Deadline News for episode 249. And we're going to start off with this update from the New Jersey HorrorCon and Film Festival coming to Atlantic City. Clint Howard is coming to the New Jersey HorrorCon. Clint has over 200 acting credits, including the horror movie Ice Cream Man, Halloween from 2007, Three from Hell, and Leprechaun 2. Other films include The Waterboy, Apollo 13, Austin Powers, Rock and Roll High School, so many more. His television work includes The Andy Griffith Show, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Married with Children. God, he's done a lot. So don't miss your chance to meet Clint Howard this November 12th, 13th, and 14th at the Showboat Hotel 
in Atlantic City. Get more information at NewJerseyHorrorCon.com. We have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Chicago. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor and FX legend Greg Nicotero to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Chicago happening November 19th through the 21st at the Crown Plaza O'Hare. Greg Nicotero is an American special makeup effects creator, television producer, and director. His first major job in special effects was on the George Romero film Day of the Dead from 1985 under the tutelage of Romero and Tom Savini. He's currently working as an executive producer, makeup effects supervisor, and primary director on The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. He's directed 31 episodes of The Walking Dead and is the creator of the website of the web series The Walking Dead Webisodes. Get more information about Days of the Dead at daysofthedead.com. We have this news from the Nashville Nightmare Haunted Attraction in Nashville, Tennessee. On November 13th from 7 to 10 p.m., close out the 2021 season in total darkness at Nashville Nightmare. You, your friends, a glow stick, and total darkness. Think you can handle blackout? Tickets are available for purchase now at NashvilleNightmare.com. We have this from the Dirt Nap Fest coming to Beaufort, North Carolina. Dirt Nap Fest is an annual fall festival with a morbid car show, including hearses, ambulances, rat rods, Mad Max style vehicles, etc., beer, food, music, and more. This year's festival takes place on Saturday, November 13th at the Mill Whistle Brewing Company in Beaufort. We're up to 20 hearses and counting coming to the show, so get ready for food, beer, costumes, a movie, and fun. Vendors include Screamfest Studios, Drop Dead Design Studios, La Casina Del Coqui, LLC, Dead Sled Brand, Beaufort Picture Show, Carolina Hemp Company, and many others. There will also be plenty of craft beers to sample. Hmm. Hearse owners, there will be an optional ride to the old Beaufort burial grounds before the event. Get more information at facebook.com slash dirtnapfest. We have this from Lake Hickory Haunts in Hickory, North Carolina. On November 12th and 13th, experience Blackout at Lake Hickory Haunts. Blackout is a completely unique experience created for haunting horror fans alike. During Blackout, all the lights are turned off and each group receives one glow stick to light their way through the darkness and the terrors that await. If you visited Lake Hickory Haunts with the lights on, you'll definitely want to experience Blackout to see Lake Hickory Haunts in a totally unique and scarier way. Be prepared to be scared. Note. We recommend experiencing Lake Hickory Haunts on a regular night before experiencing Blackout, as Blackout is a unique experience intended to be enjoyed in addition to regular nights at Lake Hickory Haunts. Get more information at facebook.com slash lakehickoryhaunts. We have this from the Field of Screams Zombie Fun Run in Mountville, Pennsylvania. On November 13th, experience the thrills of being chased by bloodthirsty zombies on this one-of-a-kind 5K course through Field of Screams Haunted Attraction. You will be immersed in professionally illuminated movie-quality scenes while running through mud, 
crawling over obstacles, jumping through fire, and so much more. You can run this amazing course during the day, or for an even more intense experience, you may choose to run the same course at night under the stars. The choice is yours, day or night, runner or zombie, or do it all. Will you survive the zombie apocalypse? Register today at thezombiefunrun.com. And finally, we have this gaming news regarding the dark action RPG, Weird West. This comes to us via bloodydisgusting.com. Those itching to get their hands on Wolfeye Studios' dark fantasy game, Weird West, will unfortunately have to wait a little longer. Publisher Devolver Digital and Wolfeye Studios have announced that the title will instead arrive on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC via Steam on January 11th. As a way of making it up to fans, as well as to keep them up to speed on the game's development, Devolver Digital has released the first episode of Road to Weird West. The first entry features Wolfeye Studios creative director Raph Colantonio walking players through an overview of the game's mashup of action RPG and immersive sim. You can see the video on YouTube. Remember folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> The Skeleton Beats, Succubus, on the Big Scary Show.
Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference FrightFind will make in your haunt listing. Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth, this is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so we made it through in our Halloween. Halloween 2021 is in the books, and it, for a lot of us, is a lot of fun, a lot of success, and a lot of neat stories coming out of it. You know, especially, you know, in the news, that type of thing. You see the parties and, you know, people returning to events. You see haunts doing well. Um, you always get a couple of the neat stories where the older trick-or-treaters see the empty bowl of somebody who's not home and they left it out and add some of their candy to the bowl for the next trick-or-treaters, knowing that little kids are coming down the block. So neat stuff like that. You know, and trick-or-treating was hit and miss for a lot of people, and... You know, overcome a lot of things. We had some good stories here locally with a bad windstorm came through and destroyed a lot of uh, home haunter setups. They still were getting donations and support from the community to rebuild and re-go stronger than ever next year and meet their uh, charity goals, which is awesome. But then you had a couple of the, you know, non-cool Halloween stories. I'm not just talking about, you know, the fact that people are going out on Halloween to get some extra candy, maybe for themselves, maybe for trick-or-treaters, and find that stores had already replaced it with Christmas candy. Ha! No discount for you late people. No, I'm talking about other weird stu- stuff, and I'm going locally again here. So here in uh, Providence, Cranston, Warwick, you know, we got a nice big park, Roger Williams Park. In it is an old mausoleum. Beautiful architecture. Really neat building. Just something that catches your eye. Well, it's dilapidated. It's run down. The uh, former owner who passed away is privately owned. About 20 years ago, they passed away. You know, didn't leave any money or anybody to really upkeep it. And the city, the state, and everybody involved has just let it get run down and broken into by vagrants and, you know, urban explorers and, you know, homeless and that type of thing. Uh, There's still over 400 bodies in there. They never actually removed them all. So, you know... Desecration is about the best word you could, you know, use there for it. You know, not just ripping off, like, the brass plaques and stuff to go sell for scrap. Who's even buying that? That's awful. But I mean ripping open caskets and stuff. You know, the reports are that there are actually remains and stuff scattered on the floor in there. No one wants to clean it, especially with the expense and stuff. So, for a while, they just put a fence around it and, you know, boarded it up and that type of thing. Well, apparently for Halloween, people broke in, the doors were open, and neighbors could see people going in on Halloween. Um, you know, as haunters, we, we like Halloween, and the macabre stuff is neat, but wow, talk about disrespect and skeevy icky. Oh, let's, 
people breaking into a real mausoleum on Halloween night for some cheap thrill? Ugh, come see a haunt. Don't do that kind of stuff. So it's really creepy. So I hope your Halloween was good and you have the neat stories and stuff. And always remember there are always one or two really weirdos out there who just make any holiday, you know, weird for everybody else. Till next time, keep every minute scary. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Ladies and gentlemen, it is November. We all know what that means. The greatest month of the year is technically over. We're all suffering a little bit of post-Halloween depression, although there are still some haunted houses open this weekend. Next weekend, there's even a few open around the areas. Check your local listings. And of course, next weekend, the legendary haunt tour down in New Orleans is closing out what hopefully will be a fantastic Halloween 2021. Normally, this is a show where the hosts get together and talk about their season, what they've been doing since mid-September, going to movies, going to haunts, going to see all the spooky stuff. But this came up, we found this on social media, and while we had already done a quote-unquote Halloween show, we, we found this Halloween Preservation Society going on, and they're putting on something called the Preserve Halloween Fest, going on November 19th through the 21st in Irving, Texas, which is Dallas, basically, and uh, thought, well, you know, we can always talk about what we did over Halloween. This one's kind of time-sensitive, so it sounds very interesting. It looks very much like a convention with guests and vendors and all sorts of stuff, but it looks like it's a little bit more tendered towards Halloween, and you know... We're not ready to give up on Halloween, let's be honest. So we thought we would get the organizer of the Preserve Halloween Fest on the line. His name is Greg Hallows. He is in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Mississippi, that is. Greg, are you there? I'm here. It is an honor to speak to you, sir, talking about the Halloween Preservation Society and a little bit about this festival you've got going on in a few weeks. But, of course, we also want to talk with our regular hosts up in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Greetings. I'm, I'm hiding from Mariah Carey because I know she's just going to show up at any second. The, the Christmas candy was actually in the stores yesterday being replaced by the uh, Halloween candy. So if any oh, of you wow. went looking for discounts, you didn't get it. I've heard she is defrosting as we speak, getting ready to hit the airwaves. Uh, down in Cincinnati, we have Meat Hook Jim. I mean, how do you follow that up? But, you know, I will tell you, I was in... Uh, 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 Michael's Crafts a couple of weeks ago, and they already had everything at 50% off on Halloween and all this Christmas stuff up. It's like, no. When I grew up, this didn't happen until after Thanksgiving. Darn right. But hey, 50% off. I hope you bought them out. 
I can't believe you found Halloween decorations this year. I'm serious. They're usually gone by mid-September. My name is Drew Badger. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and now is time to begin my annual avoid stores at all costs until January. So I will not be in any of these stores seeing these wretched displays of this holiday that comes at the end of the year. But right now, let's talk about the the, uh, holiday that just was, which is, of course, our favorite Halloween. And uh, Greg Hallows, we want to thank you for taking some time out of your no doubt very busy schedule getting ready for the Preserve Halloween Fest November 19th through the 21st in Irving, Texas at the Irving Convention Center. But first, give us a little background, Greg. I know this is the first Halloween Fest you've put on, but tell us about the Halloween Preservation Society and how did the idea of putting on a convention come around from that? Well, the society came out of my desire to I, I basically love history and research and I was doing research I don't remember even what it was but it was about three years ago I was doing some Halloween stuff and I I just had an idea in my head is like I wonder if there's a any kind of organization that's dedicated to Halloween because there seems to be a history museum or some kind of official uh, everything for everything else. So with Halloween being so big, I was like, well, there's got to be some kind of official organization that's not tied to any kind of, you know, retail. Cause I mean, I know there's a lot of retail type organizations that are, you know, the, the costuming associations and there's even a candy one and there's a toy one and there's all that stuff. But, other than, you know, I did find, you know, some stuff in Salem and some of the other cities, but nothing that I could, you know, really look into specifically for what I was trying to do. Cause I really just wanted information. And when I never, when I didn't find anything, I just decided, you know what, I'll just do it myself because that's <laughs> a lot of times that's the answer I come up with is if there's not one, I'll do it. And that drives my wife crazy because it's not like I don't have, uh, enough other stuff to do because I, you know, I put on conventions for a living. So I'm pretty busy anyway, and I'm always gone, but I love Halloween. I mean, my last name, that is my actual last name. So it it's kind of, I feel like I have a, a obligation to Halloween in some way. So I looked into, you know, what I needed to do. And it's pretty simple. I mean, it's really easy to register a business nowadays. I mean, everything's online. So I just decided to start putting out information on social media about Halloween and the history and just anything that I found interesting, I would share it. It, I didn't really have any kind of agenda and I didn't really have any kind of uh, purpose at first. It was really just something I wanted to do. So I started publishing stories and looking up information and just basically sharing whatever I could find. And after that first year, I had a really fun time doing it. Cause like I said, I love research. I love history. Um, I think if I could do anything else besides what I do, I would probably be a history teacher. Um, but I just kept finding really cool stuff. And I, I've always been interested in Halloween because of the fact that it's basically a throwaway holiday. And 
what I mean by that is nothing that was made for Halloween is really something that was meant to be kept. So everything's paper or something that's flammable or, you know, not, not really anything that is associated with Halloween is supposed to still be around. Uh, all the denizen stuff and the bezel decorations were all really, you know, cheap, not cheap, like quality, but they're just paper. So they're not supposed to still exist. So the fact that they, they are still around is, you know, just a miracle in itself. So I started looking into all the different people that are already doing things. And I found a bunch of people that knew way more than I do. And, and that's one of the things I tell everybody is like, I don't know everything. There's no way I don't want to know everything because then I'll stop looking. I, I want to keep finding out more information because once you, once you hit a certain point, you don't really want to look anymore. And I don't want to ever get to that. So I started looking into who I could talk to and who I could get more information from. And everybody that I talked to was really, you know, I guess they were good with the idea Um, because there was a lot of people I talked to that they were surprised there wasn't any kind of a society, you know, Uh, Lisa Morton who wrote the, you know, the history of Halloween and the encyclopedia of Halloween she was really into it. And Leslie Ballantine, you know, these are some of the people that have spent their lives writing about Halloween. Um, But I've always been, well, not always, but since I was a late teen, I liked horror movies. And um, one of the first things I think I really did that uh, was something that I was, happy with is I, I tried to make a list of the best Halloween movies and not so much horror movies. And that ruffled a lot of feathers because there, to me, there's a huge difference between a horror movie and a Halloween movie. So uh, I think one, I think it was the first year I put out a, you know, 31 movies to watch for Halloween, something like that. But cause I always see those in, you know, vanity fair and good housekeeping and all these magazines that don't care about Halloween the rest of the year, but they got a, you know, their editor says, Hey, write this story. Uh, so they end up writing a story and it's movies that to me have nothing to do with Halloween. Um, I love the exorcist. I love the omen. The Omen's one of my favorite movies ever. I, I have omen tattoos, but it's not a Halloween movie. Uh, trying to explain to people why, you know, uh, some older movies are, are, Halloween movies. It, it, it just became fun to me. So I like the sharing of information and I like the, the research that I get to do. Um, it's just me. Like the Halloween preservation society is, is me. Uh, there is no one else. Uh, I've, I've been asked if people can set up chapters in other cities, which is weird to me because I'd never expected it to get, the way it has. Um, I mean, it's not huge, but the fact that people are asking me to be interviewed about it is nuts to me because it's just me loving Halloween. Um, it's, it's not something that I, I don't think I intended it, intended for it to get the way it has, but I'm happy with it. I mean, I love doing it, but, um, I hope it continues to, to 
lead me to what it's done so far. I've got to meet a lot of really cool people and it's led me to, you know, doing this festival, which is kind of a natural extension from what I already do. Since I do put on conventions anyway, this is my first chance to be able to combine, you know, my day job with something I love anyway. So I decided to put on a Halloween festival and again, it wasn't any kind of blueprint or, or set agenda. I just wanted to do it. Um, I love horror conventions. Um, I, I actually had a conversation with Joe Bob after he came to a um, film festival in Mississippi and I went to it and I kind of ended up helping him out at his booth because he said, you know more about my merch than I do. And I was like, well, I mean, I pay attention, <laughs> but uh, I ended up working with him and I'd already known him. I've, I've seen him at a bunch of shows and I've had lots of really good conversations with him, but we ended up going out to dinner after that event. And I asked him, I said, well, what do you think is going to happen with these horror events? Because from what I see, nobody really wants to meet like the new horror people. Uh, at least in my opinion, like I would love to meet the girl from it follows make a Monroe, but, she's not going to do a show because now she's in like independence day and all these big movies. So, you know, she did that one horror movie and now she's probably not going to do it. I mean, she did the guest too, but after those movies, I don't think she's done anything since then that's horror related. Um, not that I can remember, but, um, but since that conversation, my, my opinion's been wrong because of they've, a lot of the people from the Flanagan, uh, projects have have done shows but in general the, my my question to him was what happens when like Kane Hodder and and Robert England and you know all the people that are at most tour shows what happens when they either stop doing them or they die then what happens with the conventions um because horror shows a lot of times horror fans just want to meet the those people over and over again and i think that's wonderful but i didn't know how what's the next step for that because since i'm in the industry of putting on shows i'm always trying to figure out what people want and i don't think we came up with an answer that night but it was interesting to hear you know someone else talk about it because there's a lot of really wonderful horror movies new ones but i don't i don't really know if those people will do conventions because it's also i never expected arnold schwarzenegger to do a comic-con or you know some of these people that are doing shows now i never expected them to end up doing them so that thought process i guess led me to what i wanted for my show and I wanted it to be, uh, you know, not a horror event. And I didn't want to offend anybody with that because I love horror, like I said. But my mindset was I wanted it to be a Halloween show, not a horror show. And to me, there's a 
there's a very easy designation between those two things, but not for everyone. Because when I put out the the movie list for Halloween, I got a lot of, you know, crap for it because I didn't have certain movies on it. It's like, why don't you have this movie? I'm like, it's not a Halloween movie. Why don't you have, you know, why aren't you watching Halloween on Halloween night? I was like, because I like Halloween 3 better. Uh, it's more of a Halloween movie to me. <laughs> I love Halloween, but Halloween 3, to me, is one of the best films about the commercialization of Halloween I've ever seen. Um, but everyone just thinks it's this weird movie where kids' heads blow up, which it is. Uh, but... <laughs> That's not what it's all about. I think that movie was way ahead of its time. But it's stuff like that. So um, when I decided who I wanted to invite to the show, I did a a lot of it. I I know I wanted authors. Um, Lisa Morton was the very first person I asked because I wanted to meet her, number one. And secondly, she's written so much about Halloween in her career having her there was just kind of like a, uh, I guess a stamp of approval, maybe, I don't know, but it kind of validified what I was trying to do. Like if, if I could get her there, then that was a good start for me. Um, I, I actually also asked Leslie Valentine if she was going to come, but I think someone in her family was having a baby. So she's scheduled, uh, She's supposed to come next year. So I've already started working on the guest list for next year because I want to do this annually. And the biggest question I got, like, nonstop from the moment I announced it was, why am I doing the show in November? And for me, it just seemed to make the most sense because there's so much already going on in October. Like, I didn't want to try to compete with, things that have been on forever. Um, I don't want to compete with haunted houses. I don't want to compete with really anything to do with Halloween because it's already established. And I didn't want to step on any toes really. Cause I mean, yes, I've been doing shows for, you know, almost a decade, but this is basically like starting over. So, but the other real reason is I could spend the whole Halloween time promoting it. And people that are so tied into Halloween, if I did a show during that time, they wouldn't be able to come. So why would I want to deny being able to get some of the people that I normally wouldn't if they're already busy at Halloween? Because, I mean, Lisa spent uh, all weekend doing interviews. So if I had an event this weekend, she wouldn't have been able to come or she would have been able or she would be doing interviews with you know, every news outlet in, you know, that exists because I, it, it happened. So I chose November because it's that weird time that's, you know, right after Halloween, but before Thanksgiving, I didn't expect the whole world to turn to Christmas today, but it kind of has, (laughs) (laughs) but usually it takes a little bit longer, but normally, you know, once Thanksgiving hits, that's Christmas time. So I chose the week before because for two reasons, really, it's still to me not Christmas yet, but a lot of people 
haven't left for wherever they're going to go for the holidays or I think a lot of kids are out of school by then. Like some kids get most of that week off. They're not really doing anything at school. At least my kids aren't Um, because they're actually coming with me to the show. So they're going to be able to, to, this will be probably the only, either the second or third show they've ever come with me because usually it's just so hectic. I, I can't bring them, but this one, they're going to, I mean, it's going to be fun for them. Uh, but that's kind of a really long answer to what you asked. Um, I really had no instructions, no set rules, no anything. I just, it's something I decided to do and I just wanted to do it. And that's now I'm here putting, <laughs> doing it. <laughs> Excellent. You, you brought up a very interesting point, too. You know, Robert England, I believe, is in his late 70s, mid to late 70s. You know, we lost Sid Haig. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Hansen. None of us are getting any younger. And, you know, these guys are still drawing top draws mm-hmm. everywhere. So who is going to be the next generation of, of convention people? You know, we've had David Howard Thornton on the show a couple of times. He's a yeah. great guy. and he, uh-huh. He's probably the next up and coming, probably big franchise person. And, you know, yeah. some of the, uh, some of the child stars are still fairly young, like, you know, Alex Vincent and folks like yeah, that. Yeah. But um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and we may have to do a show on that sometime because that is kind of the, kind of the be all end all, you know, how long will Robert England continue to do shows? How long will Kane Hodder continue to do shows? How long will Dick Warlock or Warrington Gillette, you know, the eighties mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. 40 years ago. So those guys in the twenties yeah. and thirties are sixties and seventies. Now, God, everyone still thinks the eighties is 20 years ago, no, but, really. um, <laughs> but uh, who are some of the people you mentioned? Joe Bob Riggs, who is mm-hmm. probably, I'm guessing your top draw. And I'm assuming he's bringing Darcy with him, which yep. I believe she, she is. But um, you've got, you've got a really interesting lineup of people, like you said, that are just more, shall we say Halloween oriented than, than horror. You know, it, it's not the third guy and the, you know, second whatever yeah. movie getting an ax through his head, you've got some quality Halloween people or some people who've had some big parts in the, I guess the Halloween entertainment industry as guests. Yeah. I tried to be well-rounded um, with the other events I do. We kind of have a formula of, you know, you don't want too much of any one thing because you're basically competing against yourself at that point. So I knew I wanted an author and, I actually wanted both Lisa and, and Leslie, but uh, I'm glad I got at least one of them. Leslie's um, been on our show, so. Yeah, she's awesome. And she I talk to her every couple of weeks because she's just a nice lady. She sends me mail like, hey, I found this in my closet. Do you want it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yes, I want it. Um, I just got a package of old uh, Halloween magazines that she had that, you know, I don't remember. I don't have them with me, but somebody put out a magazine about Halloween and she sent me every copy she had because she was like, I'm going to toss these if you don't want them. I'm like, no, I want them. Um, but yeah, her and, you know, like I said, Joe Bob and Darcy aren't really Halloween per se, but just the, the knowledge that they bring is, is crazy. Um, and, you know, he does the Halloween uh, event on Shutter now. So it's, like he'll tell you, I've never, 
I've watched every one of them and I don't think he's shown a Halloween movie yet, but you know, people still, it's, it's still a fun thing. Um, and you know, Zach and Bobby, that's their movies. One of my favorite movies, uh, the house is October built. I like both of them. Um, we're actually showing, uh, the first one on Friday night after their panel, they're going to introduce the movie. Um, I've always loved it. It's a really fun movie about, you know, trying to find the most extreme haunted house that exists. And, you know, that's even become mainstream because I actually read an article today about there's a place in Tennessee, I think that McCamey Manor, I think is what it's called. It's the one that does like, pretty much everything like waterboarding and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're familiar with that. We've spoken yeah. with him too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, He's been on the but show. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how that movie felt to me. It's like, they're trying to find something that scares them that much. Um, but yeah, there's those guys. And then the person that I was honestly the most surprised I could get was Tim Jacobus, uh, the, cover artist for all the goosebumps books i kind of just reached out to him blindly and said hey i'm doing the show you want to do it he's like sure i'll do it because i'm one of those people that i i would rather hear no than not even ask so i found his information i wrote him i know goosebumps is huge my kids still read it my daughter is six is in love with slappy um she actually met the guy that did the voice for Slappy in the TV show, who's also the voice of Wolverine from an X-Men co- uh, cartoon, which I thought was crazy, but uh, nicest guy. I still keep in touch with him. Um, he's somebody that I'm looking at towards the future because of the goosebumps tie, but he's from Canada and he couldn't travel this year. So I couldn't even, couldn't even ask him, but uh, Cal Dodds is his name. He's one of the nicest people. He's done a bunch of our shows, but um, yeah, he, he was one that Tim was one that I kind of just decided to ask and see, and, you know, it worked out and he did, I think every cover of every goosebumps, like the original series, uh, it's like a hundred or so he drew all, he did all those. So, you know, all the, you know, the slappy cover and the haunted mask and all that stuff. That was him. Um, and he brings prints from those books and he also does like recreations of the covers. So I'm probably going to be walking away from that show with some original artwork, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Lyle, Lyle Blackburn reached out to me and wanted to do the show cause he's, you know, he's from Texas and it's another, you know, not, your typical Halloween guy, but the legends that he, he writes about and all the stuff that he's involved with, that's basically ghost stories to me. You know, he's kind of a cryptid expert too, is he? Yeah. He's uh, like, had him on the show. I think the way he describes himself is a legend hunter. So like anything there's a legend of, he wants to find out, you know, everything about it. So that, that's cool. Um, And he's also in, you know, a really good band ghoul town so and that's you know halloween music to me that's what i i have that on my playlist for halloween um but yeah it's not 
the guest list is not really the typical uh, list for most shows. And I mean, number one, it's not very big. Like I didn't want a lot of people. Like I wanted to keep the guest list small. I didn't want to really overextend myself the first year. I wanted to make sure it was manageable um, because I, I honestly have no idea who's going to come. I, I, I'm promoting it like I do every other event. Um, Texas has a ton of stuff always going on. So even though it's not at the time of Halloween, you know, Texas is constantly doing something. Um, but I love that. I mean, I think a lot of people assumed I was from Texas because I'm doing it there, but I just like the town. My daughter, my daughter goes to a literary book camp every summer in Austin and we just love visiting. So I've done a show at this venue once before and I really like the way it, it is. There's you know, a hotel right across the street. There's um, a really neat uh, kind of area full of restaurants and, um, music venue like within walking distance so there's a lot of stuff around it there's also uh alamo draft house within walking distance from the building so there's tons of stuff around it um nice. besides you know what i'm doing so but yeah i i had a wish list of who i wanted to ask and i kind of just went down it and when i reached the number i was comfortable with i stopped and said all right these next the next people on the list are next year and i've already had a couple people confirm for next year so um i'm excited about it uh i'm nervous because you know i've i've not done a halloween show before but i'm nervous in kind of the weird way like i'm nervous but i know it's going to be a lot of fun so it's not really bad nerves it's like I, I can't wait for this to happen because I want to be involved. Like I want to, I want to be there. I want to remind everybody who are listening to the round table of terror here on the big scary show. We are talking with Greg hollows of the Halloween preservation society. His preserve Halloween fest is happening November 19th through the 21st in Irving, Texas at the convention center. We're going to take a very quick break, pay a bill here, and we're going to be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of patient 292. Time for your medication. Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror talking about the Halloween Preservation Society and the Preserve Halloween Fest coming November 19th through the 21st at the Irving Convention Center in Irving, Texas, just outside Dallas. And during the break, Jim brought up a very interesting question. Jim, what was that very interesting question? Well, you know, first of all, Greg, I got to say, I love your last name. I think it's just amazing. But uh, my question is, you know, you're talking about the Halloween Preservation Society. And are you going back to just the commercialization of Halloween? 
or are you going back to the to to the pagan holiday to Samhain to things along that line? I mean, how far back do you go with this? Well, personally, to me, uh, one of the things I'm most interested in because I'm a journalism major. I went to grad school for public relations. Uh, that's what my degree's in is journalism and public relations. So the advertising aspect of Halloween is what I'm hugely interested in. I love products. I love you know, all that stuff. But the history and research side of me, I want to basically know everything. Um, I love researching how, you know, religion changed holidays. You know, everything was a pagan holiday at some point. Um, I love to read about, you know, how those things changed and, you know, the reasonings behind it. You know, Christmas, you know, Everything was something else at some point. Uh, Samhain is something that I don't know a ton about because it's like anything, you know, history is subjective. Um, I have to find something to read that gives me the answer. And I, I try to put out the information that I find. And one of the things that I think a lot of people have a misconception about is, you know, like I said before, I don't, claim to know everything i'm not an expert on anything i just like to you know to know stuff i like to research so if i write something and it's wrong or if i write something that the information seems inaccurate to someone tell me why like i want to know why it's wrong i don't i think that's one of the things that you know i look at researching um i look at researching uh Halloween, like I do anything, you know, science, science is one of those things that it's basically put out there to prove, be proven wrong. And that's kind of the way I look at, you know, the stuff I'm looking up is it's only right to me until somebody says it's not. And then if, if it's not right, explain to me why, because that's the way my brain works. Like if, if what I'm telling you is the wrong information, I need to know why it's not, because if not, I'm going to go nuts. Like if you just say I'm wrong, I, I won't be able to, you know, be done with it. I'm going to have to find out what the right answer is, but I, I, I do tend to lean towards, you know, the American aspects of Halloween because it's the easiest to find the information for, you know, that's where I live. Um, but I do want to know as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, I own some books from the 1800s. I own some, you know, some of the first written instances of, of the word Halloween. Um, that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to preserve. Uh, it's not just, you know, the Bezel products and the pumpkin pails and all the stuff, you know, McDonald's, jack-o'-lanterns all that stuff is like the flashy part of halloween that kind of gets the eyes but deep down you know i would go back to college if i could get a degree in researching halloween because then it would give me a reason to go find all this stuff um i've actually asked about it i tried to see if there was a way to do that but so far they've told me no um but i just have an inquisitive mind about the whole everything about Halloween. I want to know as much as possible. And I know that I'll never know it all. 
And that's the part that I love because I can do this the rest of my life and I'm never going to know everything. And that's kind of comforting because if I was into a subject that I could get all the answers in a week, that's kind of boring. You know, I, I want it to be something that is debatable and I want it to be something where, you know, I posted today about day of the dead and, you know, I like, when people say, why did you post so-and-so picture? It's like, oh, well, that's this and this and this. And, you know, what do you know about it? Because, like, I try to be interactive when people talk to me online because it's really weird, you know. I I get questions and comments from all over the world. And these aren't people that I'm ever going to meet. So that brief moment that I have where they're interacting with me, I try to to prolong it as much as possible because I might not ever get that chance again. So when somebody, you know, questions something I wrote or comments on it, I try to interact as quickly as possible because it's, to me, it's a really fleeting moment where I don't know if I'm going to get that opportunity again. So I want them to know that I'm paying, I'm trying to pay as as much attention as possible to all this. Um, You know, I do have to sleep sometimes, but um when somebody makes a comment, especially when it's something that I don't know anything about, somebody actually shared a post I made today and they mentioned a festival that I had never heard of. So immediately I copy and pasted it and tried to find what they were talking about. And so far I haven't, but I have this notebook that I keep by my computer that whenever something comes up or a comment somebody makes or some kind of information I don't know about, I jot it down so that I don't forget because I'll forget. So I have a huge notebook of things that I need to look up or I need to research more, or I'll read, I'll be reading a book and see something that doesn't really make sense to me. So I want to keep looking into all this stuff because it's just fascinating to me. Like it's weird that there's a holiday that's so full of traditions and history that's still kind of uh, thought of as, you know, really not that important. Um, You know, I don't know if Halloween was ever something that uh, people took much stock into other than the commercialized part of it, you know, because there are people and I try to be cognizant of this and I try to be respectful of it. I know there's people that Halloween's a, it's a religious holiday to them. You know, they're practicing, you know, things based on the time of the year, uh, especially, you know, pagans. And I get, I don't think I've so far, hopefully not offended a witch or somebody that practices Wicca because I try really hard. You know, I'm not, a religious person at all. I don't practice any kind of religion, but I'm interested in all of them. Um, I purposely took a class in college about religions of the world because I wanted to kind of broaden my perspective. And I've tried to carry that on with this because I do know, you know, for some people, Halloween's just the day you go get candy. And some people it's, you know, they love the aesthetics of it or they love the, you know, products that come out from it. But there are people that this is a big deal to them. I mean, the, the, uh, I've tried to learn about the, with, you know, going back to what you said about Sawin, 
the uh, the wheel and all the all the uh, cycles of you know the the year. I try to I research that just so I know because I know that you know it's solid on one part of the on the world, but you know in the other hemisphere it's the old, the entire opposite end of it. So you know how does that affect things? Uh, I used to live overseas and. So I kind of understand the, you know, it's summer here and it's winter there, you know, just because one thing's one thing, one place, it doesn't mean it's the same somewhere else. And that kind of goes along with, you know, information, you know, just because Halloween is a big deal here, there's some countries that don't even acknowledge it. And that's weird to me because it's such a broad, widespread uh, holiday that has you know hundreds if not thousands of years of of history so it's that's the kind of stuff that i like knowing or trying to understand like how is that even possible like how do certain countries just it's not a we don't what's halloween you know <laughs> it's just crazy it's hard to wrap your head around yeah uh, the, the reason I asked uh, the initial question is because I am Wiccan. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that was my curiosity is, as to how you felt about Samhain. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you've done your research and that you understand the different types of religions in the world and the wheel of the year and things like that. So, my, you know, my hat's off to you because a lot of people don't go that deep. Yeah. Well, the the way I look at it is, you know, I don't know someone else's story and I don't want to cut off, cut off the chance to learn it before I even get the chance for them to tell me. So if I say something that's a misstep or is the wrong information, that's why I think it's so important that if I say something wrong, I hope somebody doesn't just get mad at me and just says, Hey, well, this is where you're wrong. Like, Oh, well, thanks for telling me. Cause otherwise I wouldn't have known because I'm not, I, uh, my ex-wife was Wiccan and I didn't really know much about it, but I know of, you know, everything that, you know, she believed. So I, I kind of have a broader perspective that way. And my, my current wife is Christian and, you know, it's a whole another end of the spectrum. So I'm kind of, I, I try because of the different types of people I know too, you know, you never know who you're talking to. Like most people don't wear that on their sleeve. Like you don't know, you know, I would never know you were a Wiccan unless you told me, cause it's not just like, you're not going to wear a witch's hat everywhere. You know, it's, it's like the stereotype. You're not gonna, you know, most Christians, if they are wearing a cross, you don't see it. So you don't know unless they tell you. And that's kind of the way I look at it. It's like, I don't want to do anything or say anything that offends somebody because I have no idea what they believe. Right. So that's, that's where I come into. Why not learn about all of it? Like it's all important. You know, the, the information, it, it's something that I feel is important no matter where or, you know, what it pertains to. So, and plus I just want to know, like, I think it's interesting. So it's just, I'm weird that I just want to know stuff. There's nothing wrong with that at all. 
Greg, one of the neat things I've noticed about the website, the show, the podcast, the whole brand you have with the Halloween Preservation Society is that um, classic, almost antique motif that you have with it. Can you talk a little bit more about that, that whole 1920s to 1970s feel and look that you put on everything, including um, on the show and website, you make it look like uh, for the guests and for vendors that it's an old 1950s poster. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, part of that is I grew up mostly my summers were spent with my grandparents watching TBS and, and old classic movies from the 40s. Um, so I, I love that whole just look. Uh, one of my favorite actors is is uh, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, like most people. But I also was a huge fan of James Cagney. And one of the things I love about James Cagney is, you know, most people know him for his gangster roles, but he also did Yankee Doodle Dandy. Like the guy had this crazy range. So I was lucky enough when I first started that I met not in person, but I found this guy called Austin Pardon. He's a huge designer of Halloween, like pretty much everything. He's on shirts and he designs for, you know, a lot of the shows, but I commissioned a piece from him. It's the, the two twin children kind of stuck together. That's an Austin Pardon artwork. And the way he, he made it, you know, look like it was vintage. And I loved it so much because it was exactly what I wanted. You know, that's the style I went for. Cause I love the old classic, uh, die cuts i have a ton of them i have a bunch of the stuff from that age and that's one of the to me it's a visual representation of one of the things i'm trying to preserve it's that's the stuff that i'm talking about that wasn't meant to be kept like that stuff is very fragile in paper and it's you know shouldn't exist because it's was supposed to be bought and then thrown away but for some reason a lot of people kept it and thankfully, because if not, we would never see it. And one of the people that I was hoping to get for the show this year was I hooked up with the uh, people who run the um, Denison Museum. And I was hoping that I would be able to get someone from there to come and speak at the show. But it, it didn't work out this year. But I, I, I'm hoping next year I can get someone to come down um, from there because, you know, they they have an archive of all the Denison, well, not all of them, I'm sure, but a huge chunk of the Denison products that exist. And, you know, that's a history that I don't think anybody knows all of, except maybe them, because um, they put out so much stuff. But that's the kind of look I was hoping to go for for the show, because, you know, it kind of combines the preservation side of the what I'm trying to do with just the it's visually appealing to me, like antique stuff just looks great. Um, and the way that Austin designed the artwork for me, I kind of used that as my template and wanted everything else I did for the show to look, you know, to match that. And it hopefully is working. It seems to be a big thing now. I mean, you go into places like, you know, even Cracker Barrel, and you see a lot of stuff yeah. that seems to be throwing back to the 
twenties, thirties, and forties, you know, a lot of the postcards and a lot of, you know, simple designs, you know, black cats, witches, jack-o'-lanterns mm-hmm. and stuff like that all seem to have it, for the last, you know, maybe 10 years, it just seems that the old nostalgia from a hundred years ago seems to be coming back in a big way. You know, it doesn't necessarily translate well to like haunted houses or to movies and stuff, but it, at least it's cool stuff you can, you can buy and keep on your shelves and, and display this time of year. So it's a, it's fascinating. And, and we're glad that people like you are out there preserving this kind of stuff and at least with the knowledge and everything. So oh, yeah. I like that. So looking at the clock here, it does look like we are starting to wind down a little bit time wise. Um, any final questions from the hosts? Um, just, yeah, I, there are some to be announced, um, spots still on the uh, website about the show. Do you got any announcements you could, uh, release to us with any additional guests or some of the movies that we'll be, uh, screening during the, uh, show itself? Um, not the guest. I'm kind of, it's one of those, I hope they work out, but I'm not positive. That's why those are up. But one of the reasons why I kind of had to, or I'm having to be hush hush about the the movies is because the licensing's weird because it's not really the way, the way I'm showing them is not, you know, something that the licensing companies really understand because I'm not showing it in a movie theater and I'm not showing it to the public and I'm not doing this. So it's confusing to them, but uh, yeah, I am showing, like I said, houses, October built Friday night. Um, on Saturday, and I guess this doesn't really go against the, any of their licensing if it does it well. Um, <laughs> I'm showing Halloween 3 on Saturday night because I love it. Um, I think that's a movie that is perfect for a group setting because it's just better watching it with people that love Halloween, I think, to me. Um I am going to show uh, a lot of um, kids stuff during the, the show. I, I think I have a whole room set up just to show kids movies um, throughout the, I have a, I think a two hour or so disc of like just Halloween cartoons with like um, nice. uh, Casper and uh, is the other it's like the they put out an album i can't remember the name of it it's like cartoon versions of of groovy ghoulies yeah groovy ghoulies yeah exactly i I actually have i have that album but yeah i have some groovy ghoulies cartoons on this dvd felix a cat but it's all halloween cartoons and then a long time ago when i used to do the movie preservation stuff i bought a disc from a guy Tom Stathis, he's a huge archivist in, I think, New York. But he finds all these, like, really good copies of silent movies and just out-of-print stuff and public domain. I'm assuming all of it is. But he has – he just put out a new set, and he's found some cartoons from, like, 1907 of Halloween stuff. Like, that's before I – I just assumed, you know, the first Halloween stuff was around the 40s, maybe the 50s, you know, popularized because of, you know, Disney. But I knew there was stuff before that. But he 
like 1907s, that's crazy, like early. So this would be like silent era stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that. I just ordered one of those discs. Um, I don't know if I'll get it in time, but I have one of his other sets and it's, it's probably not stuff that most people will enjoy, but I think it's things that need to be seen because it's history. Um, silent movies are, you know, I'm a huge movie guy just in general. I mean, I grew up watching movies constantly, but I think there's stuff that just needs to be seen. And as long it's, it's kind of going back to the whole preservation thing. If it, if people stop showing it or people stop trying to preserve it, it's just going to go away. Right. There has to be some, I'm glad for him. I'm glad he's doing it because he's still out there. I, I, I follow him on social media. He's, he'll set up a projector and splice together some film and show his stuff anywhere. And I think that's great because it needs to be seen because it's still, he's still showing on film. That's fantastic. Uh, Any final questions? I think overall in closing, excuse me, what is your goal? How do you want to grow, you know, the entire brand of um, the Halloween reservation? Where would you like to see it go in the next few years, both with the show and everything else you do with it, including membership? Um, I think the natural progression is probably to look into a lot, like letting, like having people take some of the, you know, setting up the chapters or whatever. I don't know how to do that without losing control of it. Um, that's what scares me the most is, you know, kind of giving somebody else the power to do it and, you know, not having real hands-on input into it. So I want to look into doing that because I think that's a natural way to grow. Uh, I mean, you kind of have to spread it beyond, I live in Mississippi. So, I mean, I'm kind of far away from a lot of stuff. Um, we do have international members, so um, it would be neat to expand that more. Um, part of that involves me just traveling to more stuff. I'm trying to go to more places. The I'm really excited because one of the guys that does Midsummer Scream is actually coming to the show to visit, uh, David Markland. I'm really excited about that. Um, kind of scary because, you know, I hope it is worth him coming all the way there for it, but I'm excited to meet them because I really, that's one of the shows I was planning on going to before everything shut down. Uh, my wife and I were going to visit. Yeah. He's um, great. great guy. Yeah. My wife and I were visiting, going to visit, you know, just for a trip for us. Cause you know, it'd be fun. Um, but that's part of it. You know, I, I want to get my family more involved you know, cause we're all hallows. Uh, my kids don't really care at this point cause they're too young, but I, I, I envision it to be something that they carry on when they are older. Um, my wife's a huge help with me now. I mean, she basically keeps me from going insane and, you know, off the charts doing something that's nuts. Like I run stuff by her first cause she kind of anchors me to not do anything too crazy. So luckily uh, she's my voice of reason a lot of times, 
but she also understands like it's it's a passion thing so she kind of gives me some leeway when she knows you know I'm really into doing this so I'm lucky that you know she's supportive but I don't really know you know it's scary to think I'm kind of doing this without a plan but it's also fun because I don't have anything time down to have to do in a certain way um one of the things I do want to do is talk to other people that are doing something similar maybe not this specifically but you know I've been asked a lot do I want to incorporate this to a, a nonprofit? um the thing that scares me about becoming a nonprofit is all of a sudden there's a ton of rules put on you um nonprofits have a really different structure from kind of what I'm doing. And I would have to be way more, uh, I think just, I think it would have to be way more structured before I try to do that right now. It's kind of just, you know, it's not really, uh, too big of a deal, you know? Um, but yeah, if, if to, to become bigger, I'm going to have to expand in some way. And I just don't really know. I mean, I think a lot of that's going to be asking people what they think um, because it is, it's grown bigger than I expected to in three years. Um, I went from a couple hundred people caring about it to like 25,000 on, on social media. And that's a daunting number um, because, you know, if I post anything, 30,000 something people see it and that's crazy. Uh, for something that, you know, kind of started out as a time filler. Uh, I did get more into it during the pandemic. That's when I kind of started taking things more seriously because during the pandemic, I do, I do live events. So that's, those were mixed, you know, I couldn't do anything during that time. So I kind of just focused on this Halloween project. So, but yeah, I want to, I want to talk to more people. I want to get more involved with, with, the archival of things. I want to, I want to get more insight on, you know, people that are involved with museums and libraries and things like that to kind of get an idea of what, what's needed. Cause I don't know. I mean, I do want to talk to Glenn and everyone at Scream Hollow and, and kind of see what they're doing with their museum. Cause that was one of my goals is to do the museum, but Maybe it's instead of my own thing, now it's supporting them and, you know, helping make their museum bigger because it is close enough to me that I can, you know, work with them. And, and I, I'm, I'm one of those people I don't want to hinder something that exists. I, I want to help. Like the, the bottom line is I want to put out, the information on Halloween to just help people to keep these traditions and keep this information going. Cause there's a lot of stuff that I just assume people knew. And the more I do this, the more I realize there's a lot of things that I've read about that people don't have any idea about, you know, how they celebrate in the twenties and the thirties and throughout history. That's not a thing that people know. So I think, me, I keep getting asked this, not a, enough to really go nuts with it yet, but I would love to write a book about 
the stuff that I've learned. Um, and I think that would help me on a multitude of platforms because if I had a book that would help me travel and then I have a reason to travel is to promote the book. And then it ties into what I'm trying to do is to teach people. And if they read the book, maybe they'll learn. And so it's kind of, it seems like a natural progression is to kind of uh, take what I've done. I'm working on a project. I've been working on a project researching for about two years. There's a lady. She wrote the, her name's Ruth Edna Kelly. She wrote the very first book on the, the history of Halloween back in 1919. I have a copy of that, the first edition. And she was a librarian in Massachusetts And I've researched her life for about a year and a half. I would love to put out a book about her um, because it's weird that she wrote this book and not a lot of people know her or know of her. Um, And (laughs) according to the library where she used to work, she haunts the building. So I think that's cool. Um, But she's this person that has a, a lot of, I think, historical significance, at least in American Halloween history. And if you ask people who that is, that I don't know any a lot of people that would know just based on her name. But uh, I have her, like, I've gone deep into, like, her family history. I know all her relatives. She never had any kids. Uh, she wrote another book. She's only written two books in her whole life. One was on Halloween. And one was on, um, I think, like the existence or the possible existence of ghosts. So her her life is super interesting to me. Um, but I've contacted her college where she went to school. They sent me all her school records. I have like every class she took. I have all this stuff that I would love to share with other people, even if it's not a full-fledged, like, autobiography maybe just uh you know one of those small books that kind of gives an insight onto who she was but i don't know i have so many things that i want to do it's just not enough time (laughs) (laughs) well greg i want to take the time to thank you for uh, coming on the big scary show and uh we will certainly provide any information we can you know our archives go back you know, we've been doing this almost 10 years, so we've got 200, almost 250 shows, and a lot of our Halloween shows are filled with folklore and superstition and people like Leslie Bannatyne and, and yeah. other authors and, and folks like that, Chris Colstrom and, and the like. So we certainly will, uh, you know, invite you to go check out our archives and maybe you'll find some interesting stuff there. But um, as as far as the Halloween Fest, let's get the who, what, where, when, and why from you. This is the part of the show we normally call the plugs. Okay. So tell us a little bit, real quick, what the what are the dates? Where is it? How much is it to get in? And what kind of websites and social media people need to get information about the inaugural Preserve Halloween Fest coming to Irving, Texas. All right. Uh, Preserve Halloween Festival, it is the inaugural show. It is November 19th through the 21st in Irving, Texas at the Irving Convention Center. And the tickets are, you can buy day passes. Uh, It's from $25 to $35. Uh, Saturday's the expensive day. 
or you can buy weekend passes and I'm doing a deal. If you buy two, it's a uh, hundred bucks for the weekend for two passes. And then I think 60 for single, single weekend pass and kids, kids are $5 a day. Um, everything's on the website, preserve Halloween And then uh, all my social media is preserve Halloween. Um, I try to keep it simple, but it's, you know, we're going to have, you know, all the guests we talked about, Joe Bob and Justin Mabry and Lyle Blackburn and Darcy and Tim Jacobus and, you know, all these cool Halloween people. But also we are doing, you know, movie screenings and I'm trick-or-treating all three days. I'm actually giving all the vendors pumpkin pails and candy. So there's no excuse for people not to be able to trick-or-treat. I'm giving that to them as when they arrive. I have a... In the back of my office, I think I have 120 Halloween pails because I wouldn't stop buying them. Uh, so I have a ton, uh, way more than I need, but I don't know if I'm going to need them. So I bought them uh, while, I, while I could find them. But there's that. There's costume contests on Saturday for the adults, Sundays for the kids. We're doing karaoke at the hotel. Um, it's just, you know, I want families to come out. I want it to be an event where everyone has a good time. I, I hope there's something there for everyone. You know, we got a really good selection of vendors. Um, all the guests will be doing a panel and, you know, it's, it's for me, it's a, an extension of just keeping Halloween going. It's going to be about three weeks from the actual date, but it's, you know, people still love it. I mean, I love Halloween all year. This gives everybody one last chance to kind of blow out, the the holiday before thanksgiving and christmas take over so you know everyone can dress up i'm gonna i'm actually hoping i can dress up i I ordered a costume that i i haven't decided if i want to walk around in it because i might scare some children it's uh krampus (laughs) i wanted to have a santa claus at the show but i decided you know what it might be fun more fun if i have a Krampus walking around. So Krampus is always more fun. Yeah. So I, I ordered a a Krampus outfit for me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to wear it or if I want to get somebody else to do it, but we'll see. But there's a Krampus Krampus society in, in the Dallas area. If I, yeah, that's, I was hoping that I could find those people. Yeah. That's three of them will show up. That's what I'm hoping uh, to get more information on. I'm, I'm trying to find, information on stuff like that and charities i'm working with uh uh there's a company called ween dream out of louisiana they they uh take in donations for um costumes for kids that can't buy them i've worked with them for a couple years you know personally and also this time i'm just wanting to promote what they're doing because i it's a great cause um i'm probably going to be doing some auctions for some stuff i own and the proceeds from those, I'm going to donate to Ween Dream and also the uh, Bat Sanctuary in Texas. Um, and then maybe do a couple other uh, charities if I, you know, just some stuff I pick out. But I, I also want to, I'm trying to, uh, I need to just do it. I, I, I want to work with a local, you know, charity because it will almost be the holidays. So I want to see if I can work with someone about doing, you know, like a food drive or something like that. Um, just, I want to give back to, to 
you know, people because what I do for a living at the end of the day, it's just fun. Like it's, it's weird to think that my job involves entertaining people. Like it's almost not fair. Like it's one of those things where no matter how bad of a day I have at the end of the day, my job is to make people have a good time. So it's kind of a weird, you know, how can I get mad about that ever? So I want to give back for, you know, the people that come to, to what I'm doing and have helped me this, this whole time. So I just hope, you know, people come out and have a good time. I, I just did a giveaway with the Dallas Observer. I'm emailing the people that won the tickets for that when I get home. Um, I'm trying to work with whoever, you know, wants to, to work with me. I love, you know, collaborating with people because I just think for the most part, that's just a good thing. You know, working with other people, it generally leads to, to good stuff. So like this, you know, I, I've already, hopefully I'm getting a, I'm probably going to end up with a ton of information from you guys, from people I would have never been able to meet because you know, a lot of people I don't know. And, well, you know, yeah. I can probably, um, I'm going to see what I can do with Joe Bob. Um, I might have some info for that. So, cool. um, but yeah, I just, you know, it's fun to help people that want to help you and it's always a good thing. Absolutely. And of course the big scary show will assist you in any way that we can, because, we believe in preserving Halloween, and of course, we're all about going to conventions too. So maybe next year, maybe one of our hosts will be able to make the trip down. Assuming you're going to have it in Dallas next year, which we you probably will, which is a great place to celebrate Halloween. So many good haunted houses down there. So many good oh, yeah. good haunters and so many good people down there. But uh, Greg Hallows is the organizer of the Preserve Halloween Fest once again, November nineteenth through the twenty first at the Irving Convention Center in Irving, Texas preservehalloweenfest.com also the owner of the Halloween Preservation Society there are links on the website or just look on social media look up Preserve Halloween you will find it Greg we want to thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us here on the Big Scary Show All right, thank you always a good time there we could not do this also without our great hosts including Storm you know it's always fun to preserve anything especially halloween because it's so near and dear to our hearts but i'm i'm more excited that greg's got you know a couple hundred pumpkin pails i couldn't find any i, I, I just have the newer buckets the 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 uh, jack-o'-lantern shaped ones which are actually pumpkin shapes were impossible to find this year especially if you wanted orange so yeah lock them up man they they they're going in <laughs> antique shops for like 10 bucks a piece now nice also want to thank meat hook jim and, you know, I'm sure Greg probably knows this, but the original jack-o'-lanterns were made out of turnips. Yes, and they were super scary. <laughs> My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte. I want to say, folks, you know, we're not ready to give up on Halloween yet. So if you're down in the Dallas area, support this. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, we could all use a little more Halloween in our lives year-round. Once again, this is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show.
Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their nightmares come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites, spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits, we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Come, my little neophytes, and sit by the fire. It's time to ask the old crone. <laughs> the fog machines are emptied, the props put away, and the silence of thousands of empty haunted houses is almost deafening. All that's left are the sore muscles scratchy throats and memories of the beautiful screams that filled the air. Or at least that's what's left for most of the actors and staff. But as a haunt owner, we know our job is not quite done. We have costumes to clean, props to mend, storage units, garages, and trailers to organize. Then there's the cast party, payroll, receipts, and ugh, taxes. As overwhelming and unfun that all is, I will ask you to do one more thing before sitting down to a turkey dinner with the family like ugh, normal people. Like a football coach doing a post-game interview, we need to do a post-haunt evaluation. Remember back at my very first segment when we discussed doing a SWOT to evaluate our strengths, weaknesses, assets, and threats. So take this time to update your SWOT based on this past haunt season and then evaluate what scares worked, what fell flat, were your marketing dollars well spent. How was your customer flow? Did you have any security issues? What staff changes do you need to make? Did you have too many monsters or not enough? What new ideas were inspired during the haunt that you can use next year? Doing this now while everything is fresh in your mind is the best time. Just like a woman forgets the pain of childbirth as time passes, haunt owners tend to forget the, quote, bad parts of running a haunt by the time the next build season starts, and then it's too late to make those adjustments. And just like childbirth, if you do this now and plan accordingly, hopefully in 11 months you'll be rewarded with an even better haunted attraction to show off to all of your friends and family. 
So as I attend to my own SWAT and post-haunt evaluation, here surrounded by my hellhounds next to the fire, congratulations all of you on a great haunt season. And don't forget to stir the cauldron. <laughs>
or you might be able to win something this month if you listen closely to the show. I'm going to ask a question. The answer is in the show. All you have to do to qualify is to send us your name, your phone number, and the answer to contest at BigScaryShow.com before midnight on November 15th. We will select a random entrant, and that person might just win a great prize from Screamline Studios. Now, without further ado, here is the question for the November gruesome giveaway. Our guest during the roundtable, Greg Hallows, has a full-time job of doing what? If you think you know the answer to that, email it to us along with your name and your phone number to contest at BigScaryShow.com before midnight on November 15th, and you might just be a winner of the November gruesome giveaway. We want to thank again Screamline Studios for providing some fantastic prizes for us. And of course, previous winners and family members of the Big Scary Show staff not eligible to win. So listen carefully. Good luck. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And sadly enough, the Halloween season is over. But hey, there are still some haunts that are open for the next week or two, so take advantage of it while you can. Me, I'm going to continue my review of scary and Halloween-related beers. And I'm going to start off with Hell Hath No Fury from Ale from Bell's Brewing Company in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Like a Jekyll and Hyde act, this beer transformed during its brewing. Meant to be a prim and proper Belgian double, the throes of creation changed it into a squat but stout Belgian strong. From the comical label giving little warning to what is it within, to hints of coffee and its fruity aroma, this beer and your perception of it will subtly change the deeper you delve. It is a Belgian strong dark ale with an ABV of 7.7%. And what makes it special is it was a Jekyll but went Hyde. The Halloween pairing is caramel corn, suggested glass is a mug or tulip, and it is available during mid-fall. Next on my list, Second Sight Strong Scotch Ale from Black Raven Brewing Company in Redmond, Washington. There are plenty of tales out there about the gift of Second Sight. There are the gray, gray witches of Greek mythology who shared one eye. The Halloween myth of putting rosemary under a pillow to dream of a future husband. And the Norse and Scottish myths of ravens having second sight. Well, raise a glass of beer name for these myths and ponder their implications. Pouring the rich color of a garnet eye, second sight will give you insight into its world of rich malt and full mouthfeel. You might even feel you know something others don't after you finish this one. It is a Scotch Ale with an ABV of 6.9%, IBUs are 34, and it uses Magnum and Mount Hood hops. 
The malts are a two-row barley, crystal, special bee, and chocolate. What makes it special? A scotch ale for Halloween. Why not? The Halloween pairing is peanut brittle. Interesting. Suggested glasses of mug or snifter, and it is available year-round. And rounding out this session of spooky beers, Undead Party Crasher from Clown Shoes Brewing Company. Located in Ipswich, Massachusetts. I personally have had this one. Um, A beer with an interesting name-changing story brought on by a trademark lawsuit, now with a label that pokes satirical fun at the most whole experience. The label is just, well, awesome, and makes the beer a must-have on this list. Fight your own monsters year-round with this beer allegedly brewed with holy water. It brings a big sweet malt along with the smokiness of a good bonfire. It is an American double with an ABV of a whopping 11%. What makes it special is a malt smoked locally with hickory and ash. The Halloween pairing is a Milky Way bar and suggested glass is a snifter. And it is available year-round. Well, that rounds out this batch of spooky beers. I hope you're enjoying this and get to try at least some of these. I know some are only available in certain locations, but if you get the opportunity to try an undead party crasher, I highly recommend it. Until then, stay spooky, everybody. Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karam. Durable, handcrafted, dependable year after year. Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karam.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. Good evening, this is Walter Cryptite down here in the tombs with a sensational new film discovery, Orville the Awful. As you know, Orville is starring as the dead thing in the smash film hit, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Orville, is it true that you were dead for ten years before your buried talents came to the surface? That's right, Walter. I was in underground films. What kind of films? Mostly dirty pictures. I see, Orville. You know, not all of the critics liked your performance. In fact, some thought you stunk. Well, it was a rotten part. Orville, you're a smash hit as the rotten corpse. Where would you like your career to go from here? Well, I don't want to be just another pretty face, you understand. Well, keep a stiff upper lip, Orville. (laughs) Uh, You could keep a stiff lower lip, too. (laughs) I guess you're just a lucky stiff. <laughs> there you have it. From Orville the Awful. Catch him in children shouldn't play with dead things if he doesn't catch you first. Toxic Zombie. Stranger Things. On the Big Scary Show.
pretty? swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenline Studios, Dark Imaginings, Fright Finder, Haunt Pay, Creepy Collection, and Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Forga hosts including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com. Badger, actor, trainer, and consultant, rabidbadger.org. Meet Hook Jim. Check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Jerry Vane, the Honstrumentalist, jerryvane.com. And finally, you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.